Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Hey, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, me again on the podcast. Uh, my prayer is is that the podcasts are helping you just develop as a leader and uh, your journey with God. And uh, today I want to take a few moments and I just want to talk to you about the challenge of leadership. The challenge of leadership. If I can just start with uh, maybe some distinctions. Three in particularly. Um, our standards are different. If you choose to be a leader in any capacity, then one of the things that you deal with is the fact that your standards are going to be different. What's acceptable to some will not be acceptable to you. What's allowable to some will not be allowable to you. And if you venture into Christian leadership, then it even becomes more intense. What's allowed when it comes to leadership on a Christian-wise becomes even more refined. In the book of James, it says, if you desire to be a teacher, if you desire to be someone who's truly listened to, then it says that there's a stricter judgment, that there's a higher standard. So the first thing uh, that's a distinctive about leadership is that our standards are different. The second thing is uh, our motivations are different. Now, I've said for years, um, I can't teach you about worldly leadership. I've never been a leader in any capacity other than in the spiritual or the church world. But one of the things that I can tell you is, is that the world can teach you skills of leadership, but it cannot teach you the heart of leadership. If you begin to look at what the Bible says about leadership, it is others-focused. And I've said it and it's been quoted in so many places so many times. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. Your motivations become different. What motivates you, what gets you up in the morning, what gets you out of bed in the morning, what keeps you going in the morning, uh, it is different from anything else. We are motivated by a cause. We're like David when he saw Goliath. Is there not a cause? We are motivated by something different bigger than the next technology breakthrough or the next uh, cool food to eat or snack on. We are motivated because there's a cause, and that cause has spiritual consequences. And so when we talk about the challenges of leadership, uh, it starts with the fact that our standards are different, our motivations are different, but our goals are different. Where the world uh, strives for the bottom line, we strive for an eternal line. Where the world strives to make sure that a stock price goes up, we strive to make sure that people, when they die, go up. And so when the world strives to make sure that uh, a board of directors is happy, we strive to make sure that God is happy. So when it comes to life, here's what I know. The challenge of leadership starts with some distinctives. Our standards are different, our motivations are different, and our goals are different. Now, saying all that sounds a little bit idealistic. How does that really play out? What does that really look like? How do you wrap your arms around that? Well, let me give you seven ways that the challenge of leadership begins to be felt. 
and, and how the challenge of leadership comes your way on a regular basis. Uh, let me just start with this. Number one, you get to care when others don't care. If you're going to do what we do for a living, if you're going to do it with value and importance, then that means you get to care. We know that our society's favorite phrase is, I don't care. But if you're a Christian leader, you don't get to say that. In fact, you get to care when no one else cares, and you get to care when it looks like God didn't care. You get to care. Paul talked about this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. And he said, besides those things that are without, he was talking about all the things that he had dealt with. There is the daily inescapable pressure of my care for all the churches. What is he saying? He says, I care. And when other people didn't care, he did care. When other people quit and left, he didn't quit and leave. When other people got to move on, he stayed. And see, in leadership, we get to care when others don't care. I remember uh, recently being at a restaurant where I was trying to buy something that was going to be a little unique on their menu. It was sort of a hybrid kind of thing. It wasn't on their menu. It was sort of, uh, uh, can you take this and do this with it? And I remember looking at the man as I was ordering, and I said, do you mind if I order like this? And he looked at me, and he uttered these words, they don't pay me enough to care. I thought, wow, I wanted to stop right there and I wanted to ask him a question. How much do they need to pay you before you start caring? How much do they need to give you before you care? And I never thought that someone was putting caring to a price measurement, to a price point in some kind of model. But see, when you lead, you get to care. You get to care about things no one else cares about. You get to care about areas of life that no one else cares about. You get to care. So you get to care even when others do not. Number two, you get to be present when others aren't present. You know, this is one of the things is that if you're a high capacity leader, you get to be present. You get to be present when everything's good but you really get to be present when everything's bad. When everything seems to be struggling and falling apart, it's then that you get to be present. In Psalm 23 and verse 4, it says, Yea, thy walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Jesus is our model of leadership, and that is that he's there on the worst days, the darkest days, the toughest days, the most challenging days, the most difficult days. And we get to pre be present when others are not. So when you're on vacation and something happens, yeah, you get to be present. When everybody else is gone, you still get to be there. And sometimes you are going to be the only representative and you're going to get to be present. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge of being present when others are not present. And sometimes you want to throw up your hands and say, why can't I be like everyone else? And it's just simple. 
you're a leader. And leaders aren't like everyone else. If leaders were like everyone else, there wouldn't be a need for leaders because everyone would instinctively do it. But number one, you get to care when others don't care. Number two, you get to be present when others aren't present. Number three, you get to pray when others don't pray. There's probably no passage of scripture that bears out the anguish of uh, maybe the spiritual load of prayer than what happens in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, we have the story of our Lord and Savior on the night that he's going to be betrayed and how he asked his disciples to go with them. And he goes a little bit apart because the prayer is getting pretty intensive. And as I tell people, there are ways that you pray in private that you can't necessarily pray in public. And so Jesus goes out, and the agony is pretty real, and he prays these words, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. And as agonizing as that was, some disappointment is going to come because he's going to go back and he's going to find those people that he's poured himself into for three and a half years, the people that he just asked to pray, to maybe hold his hands up a little bit, to somehow be a prayer support and strength. And he found that they were asleep. And he asked one of the most penetrating questions. He said, can't you just pray for one hour? And he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He basically said this, how many things can you do for an hour and you don't think anything about it? Can you text for an hour? Can you be on Facebook for an hour? Can you somehow play the latest computer game for an hour? Can you play golf for hours? Can you go shopping for hours? But he returns and he says, hey, can't you just pray for one hour? And he dissects it to its finest level. He says this, this body, this flesh, it'll resist it. It resists genuine, legitimate prayer. Because this body is unredeemed, even though our souls and our spirit have had a moment with God. This flesh is going to fall away. And so what God says is, he says, if you're going to lead, you're going to get to pray when others don't pray. So you're going to get to hold the spiritual load. And you're going to pray for that single mom. And you're going to pray for that bad marriage. And you're going to pray for that crisis that someone's going through. You're going to pray for that kid that's run off. And it seems like they're headed towards a destination that will not be good for them. And you're going to get to pray. And people are going to ask you to pray who don't pray themselves. They're going to ask you to pray for their marriage when they haven't prayed for their marriage, to pray for their family when they haven't prayed for their family, to pray for their kids when they haven't prayed for their kids. They're going to ask you to pray. So, what are the challenges? Can you care when others don't care? Can you be present when others aren't present? Can you pray when others don't pray? And then... Number four, can you be an example when others aren't an example? So can you be an example when 
Others are not an example. Can you be? In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Be thou an example. It's pretty interesting there. He didn't say be a great preacher. He didn't say be a great teacher. He didn't say be great at and you can fill in the things. He said be an example. Because ultimately what Paul knew is that people watch us before they follow us. They're looking at us. They're wanting to know if we're worthy of being followed. And there's the eye test. Do we pass it? See, it's easy to be good on the platform and be bad in life. It's almost as though God says, I'd rather you be bad on the platform and good in life. Now, God would like to have both, but he's almost saying that. He says, be thou an example. And what he's referencing is this. People watch us. They watch how we handle the good and the bad, the tough and the tender. Whether there's care or candor, they watch us. And they're watching to see if where we're going is worthy of them going with us. And here's the thing. You may not think the standards of leadership matter, but the people who are watching you think the standards of leadership matter. You may not think what you do is really a big deal, but the people watching you think it's a big deal. It's amazing to me that people who don't believe in God will hold people in ministry to a high standard that even people in ministry don't always strive for. Why is that? Because they get it. They get that if you are going to be a spiritual leader, then your example has to be a good one. It has to be one. I'm always mindful of what was said about Moses. It says that he looked this way and that way, and seeing no one, he thought he wasn't being watched. So what does he do? He kills an Egyptian. But what he finds out is he was being watched and that people were noticing him. Number five, you get to grow when others don't grow. You get to grow when others don't grow. In Isaiah 53, one of the messianic chapters describing Jesus It says that he will grow up as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. What is it referencing? It's just saying that Jesus knew how to grow. But he just didn't know how to grow. He knew how to grow when the circumstances were adverse. Because it says he grew like a root out of dry ground. He grew where you're not supposed to grow. And sometimes I get amazed at people because what they say is, I just can't grow here. And I think, well, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus was surrounded by reasons why he couldn't grow, but he chose to grow. And so the challenge of leadership is you get to grow when others don't. doesn't matter that no one else is growing around you. You get to grow. doesn't matter that anyone else takes growth seriously you get to grow. You get to be a person who grows. So five thoughts so far.
You get to care when others don't care. You get to be present when others aren't present. You get to pray when others don't pray. You get to be an example when others aren't an example. And you get to grow when others don't grow. Another principle. You get to have a good attitude when others have a bad one. So you get to have a good attitude even when everyone else has a bad attitude. And that's talked about in 1 Peter. Because 1 Peter talking about elders, talking about those that have oversight of the sheep. He says, do not pastor grudgingly or out of necessity, but pastor willingly. What is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that when it comes to your growth pattern, the way you grow is this. You've got to grow in areas that are important, and one of those most important areas is in your attitude. You get to have a good attitude even when everyone else is having a bad attitude. Now, I know we have all these slang phrases, and we describe bad attitude in a lot of ways, but you get to have a good attitude. We talked about it in a previous lesson. People feel you before they hear you. And what that just basically means is this. They're going to sense your attitude. They're going to sense whether you've got it or not. And so are you doing this because you have to do it? Are you doing this because you are forced to do it? Are you doing it because you choose to do it? People want to be helped, but they want to be helped by people who have a heart to help. And it's not just your actions, but it's your attitude that helps people. And so you get to have a good attitude when others have a bad. Next principle, number seven. You get to minister when others will not minister. To me, this is one of the most telling times in our Savior's life. Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 14. It talks about when Jesus heard it. What did he hear? He had just heard that John the Baptist had died. He had heard that Herod the Great had beheaded him. And it was all because of a party favor. Not only had he died, but how he died. It was horrible. And it says when he heard it, he departed. Why? Because of all the people there was only one that had a glimpse of what Jesus was really doing. There was only one who really had a perspective and said, this is the one. He was a part of his family, but he was the only one that really, really knew what Jesus had come to do. He had been there and he said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. But Jesus said, you need to baptize me. He said, I'm not worried to carry even your sandals, but he said, hey, you get to help me. And so when Jesus gets that news, he departs. How many times have you and I had bad news? And when the bad news came, we're dealing with it. And we just want to be alone. We don't want to be with anyone. We don't want to be around anyone. We just want to be alone. We want to process what's going on. He did that. And it says that he departed there by boat to a desert place by himself. He wanted solitude. 
He wanted to discover the strength of God that can only come from God in moments of separation and solitude. And it says, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. He's about to experience the ultimate leadership moment. And that is when the leader's hurting and the leader's going through a difficult time themselves and people want ministry. They need a leader. And it says, and he went out and he saw the great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Why? Because he understood that you get to minister when others wouldn't minister. Most people raise their hand and say, hey, I'm going through a hard time right now. Uh, Don't bother me. Well, if you just knew what I was dealing with, don't mess with me. If you knew everything that I was confronted with, don't come my way. Here's the thing. The challenge of leadership is, number one, you get to care when others don't care. Number two, you get to be present when others aren't present. Number three, you get to pray when others don't pray. Number four, you get to be an example when others aren't an example. Number five, you get to grow when others don't grow. Number six, you get to have a good attitude even when others have a bad attitude. And number seven, you get to minister when others don't minister. These are the challenges of leadership. These are the things that distinguish a good leader from a great leader. And someone who says they are a leader from someone who's really not a leader. Because leaders face the challenge. Leaders face those moments. And they do what's best to help other people. And they do what's best for the kingdom. And they do what's best to make sure that heaven is represented well. And what I know is you're that kind of leader. You're the kind of person that does these seven things. You wouldn't be listening to a podcast. You for sure wouldn't have made it this far in the podcast if you didn't have this leadership in you. And what I want to say to you is thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for being present. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being an example. Thank you for growing. Thank you for having a great attitude. And thank you for ministering. Thank you for doing these things when no one noticed but God. And it's because of people like you that the kingdom is better and heaven is bigger. And one day we'll be in heaven and we will get to high five each other and say, hey, look at the great things that God has done. But then God will look over at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Just a few thoughts on the challenges of leadership. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I know for many of you, you downline these to your leaders in your organization, and they become a discussion point. But I want to encourage you. Uh, please, if you know someone out there that you think maybe uh, their trend line in leadership is could be helped, let them know about the podcast. And if you haven't gone to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com, go there sometime and look at the resources, look at the up-and-coming places that will be to communicate. 
And so thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast. Thank you for making a difference. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.